In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's the Athletics Jesse Temple. We're now into the offseason. I don't know about deep into the offseason. The Badgers, most of the Badger players are scattering for home uh, as they get uh, done with classes and uh, get some time off before getting a chance to get back and, and get into winter wor- or into uh, summer workouts. And obviously, uh, the rest of the freshman class will be arriving. Uh, Wisconsin still very much in the mix of trying to add some more players to that roster, um, especially at cornerback. And I'm a little surprised, Jesse, I don't know if you are, that nothing has happened on that front just yet. I would have thought Wisconsin would have been able to wrap something up, but these things takes time. And you have to remember that anybody who's visiting Wisconsin uh, has interest from several other schools. So it's a process, but Wisconsin's got to have something at some point because there's just not enough depth at cornerback right now. Yeah, again, there's there's some smoke. There just hasn't been the the fire yet um, that uh, they could be landing uh, a guy. So I, we'll see, I'm sure, uh, just based on our history. We're going to record this, and then something will break right after it. But um, right now, still in the process of trying to to get that done. Before we jump into anything, I wanted to start with this. We'll we'll get to we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Amari Snowden, one of those incoming freshmen that's uh, going to be coming next month. Your article on him, a, a really good look at just the the type of athlete he is, especially on the baseball field. And I don't know if anybody has heard this or not. Wisconsin does not have a baseball team, um, so that's certainly not surprising that he still came here. But just how good of a baseball player he is, it's a lot to give up. That's all I'm going to say. And then um, I will say not having a baseball team, though, Jesse, uh, also means you can't bet on your college baseball team. Oh, solid shade thrown early in the show. Right. I mean, it, it, that's that is a slight benefit here um, for the Wisconsin Athletic Department. Uh, the athletic departments at Iowa and, and Iowa State probably wishing. Um, no, probably not wishing they don't have a baseball team, but wishing they weren't dealing with what they're dealing with right now. So we'll get to him. Uh, we'll also get into. A story that you're doing on the wide receivers that's going to pop tomorrow. Really a good look at them as well. Uh, before we do that, though, the camp. It This is um, something that popped, and it's not the most important thing, but I wanted to get it out of the way. Uh, this is something that popped uh, over the weekend. Big game boomer who does all these stupid lists about all the most popular things, uh, like the best running back duo and the best name that plays uh, right guard in the country, like all these stupid uh, lists. And he put out one last week about best stadium nicknames. And, you know, for the most part, I don't think anybody thinks Wisconsin actually has a nickname uh, for Camp Randall. Uh, and I would agree. I've never I never call it anything other than Camp Randall. He put the camp and uh, that has drawn a lot of the ire of some people as if it's never been said before. And when I thought when I when it came out, Jesse, I was like, yeah, I don't call it that, but I've obviously heard it that freaking name of the podcast is the camp. I didn't come up with that on my own. The UW didn't come up with the camp, their video series on their own. The The message board named the camp didn't just pop out of thin air. It was. It's not people making this up. The first time I ever heard it 
was back in 2003 or 04, was sitting at Bratz in the upstairs at Bratz in the late, late at night. And Jim Sorgi, the quarterback, was talking. And I heard him talk. You say, hey, these guys are coming to the camp. And I'm like, the camp? I'd never heard it before. But that's where that's where it started. And I know there's a lot of people like up in here, like, the, like these East Coasters or people from out of state coming in here and, and doing the same thing they do with Wisco or Scotty and calling it the camp and just trying to make it something that it's not. No, it was actually the players that uh, that have called it that. I don't know if the players still call it that. I'm guessing I haven't heard it in a long time, so probably not. But it's not just some random nickname. It does exist. Um, it's just not a great nickname. That's a fantastic story, by the way, in the Wayback Machine. Yeah. 20 years ago now. I, for those who are obviously very curious about where Wisconsin stacks up in this ridiculous <laughs> list, the camp was the fifth worst nickname. <laughs> it wasn't even listed among the 25 best nicknames. Uh, I mean, it's not obviously our show is called the camp and, and it's around, but no one ever refers to Camp Randall Stadium as the camp. Like, oh, you're going to go to the game on Saturday? Yeah, I'm heading out to the camp. Um, maybe they should. It's snappy. It's two syllables, but it's not something that I've uh, ever heard. It's also barely shorter. And I know, obviously, it's you said two syllables. It, it's barely shorter than Camp Randall. So, which has actual history behind right. it? Yes. Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah. It's. It's not something I would ever use to refer to the camp, but it's. Uh, it is enough attached that it made sense for the podcast. Um, so I. Again, I've heard people use it. It's not something I would ever use or have ever used, but it, it's certainly something that is connected to Wisconsin. So. I don't know why I felt like I needed to explain that, but I, for whatever reason I did, because there was some, some significant pushback against the name as if uh, it came out of nowhere and nobody ever has called it that. So yeah, the camp, uh, a podcast, a video series, a message board, not a great nickname for the stadium. All right. Now we got, we got past that. Let's get into Amari Snowden, the, uh, the cornerback out of Michigan. Speaking of players from Michigan, Jim Sorge, Michigan. Uh, also, uh, Mari Snowden, maybe about the same height as no Jim Sorge is a little bit taller, a little bit taller, not much though, not much. Cornerback, uh, a great pickup for Wisconsin, a guy who actually committed to obviously, we know this Cincinnati when Luke Fickle was there, and then because he was going to play baseball and football there, and now, uh, they somehow managed to get him to come to Wisconsin without a baseball team, and yet I feel like it's still a big part of his life, Jesse. When you talk to him. What'd you get the feel around how he felt about baseball and uh, really, you know, how he came to Wisconsin? Well, my sense in talking to him is that he still feels conflicted about this decision. Um, and like you laid out, he initially committed to Cincinnati. He really had a fantastic relationship with Luke Fickle, but he wanted to play baseball. And that was part of the plan. They had actually laid out a schedule for him. Luke Fickle and Cincinnati's baseball coach to show him, okay, this is how we can pull this off. And then obviously Fickle took the job at Wisconsin and Snowden immediately decommitted to reevaluate his options. And he ended up with a, a four team list that was Wisconsin, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and Colorado. He wasn't keen on playing for a new coaching staff at Cincinnati. He just didn't, didn't know those guys. And he took an official visit to West Virginia. Two sports were on the table there. And then the other tools, two schools were Wisconsin and Colorado. Oddly enough, neither of those schools have a baseball program. 
And he took a visit to Wisconsin and that really sealed the deal. He didn't end up having time to go to Colorado. And that was after Deion Sanders was hired. He even told me, I didn't put this in the story, but he said, it's really hard to turn down Deion Sanders, but I'm glad that I did. Um, But on the baseball front, he even said, I feel like I'm going to find baseball again. Now, I don't know what that means because Wisconsin hasn't had a varsity baseball program since 1991. But when you find out how talented he is, first of all, he's a left-handed pitcher. He can throw 93 miles per hour. Those kinds of guys don't grow on trees. And I talked to his travel team baseball coach out in Michigan, and he said that he's heard from Major League Scouts. There were there were four scouts that had talked to uh, his travel team coach recently from the Tigers, the Blue Jays, the Rangers, and the Braves. And, and the message that this travel team coach has said they, they've shared is basically like, wh- where are we at with him? Because he's got so much potential, but obviously he's giving up baseball. Um, I I think he's in a situation where if he wants to find his way back to baseball, I don't know, maybe there's a summer league team, but he can always throw on the side. That's the thing that the travel team coach said. If you're a hitter and you lose live at bats for years, you're in big trouble, but you can kind of work on pitching on the side. Um, What he's done at the high school level this year is absolutely ridiculous by last week. And people may have saw this on, uh, they may have seen this on, on Twitter because it kind of went around, but his ERA was 0.95. He had 54 strikeouts in 22 innings and hitters were batting uh, 108 against him. And he had a game where he threw seven innings, gave up no hits, struck out 18. And he told me he was furious with himself because he gave up a walk. So there's just a lot of potential on the pitching side. He could, his, his travel team coach says he thinks he could throw 94 to 97 miles per hour with full-time training. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, man, I, it's really Rusty. fascinating yeah, and, and the part that's interesting to me in this is so he's reporting to Wisconsin on June 11th. That is the freshman report date. So all the all the guys who didn't participate in spring practice who weren't early in release, they're going to be here June 11th. And if you enroll in college or if you attend college, then you're not eligible for the Major League Baseball draft, and the draft that's is in July. That's so stupid. Now, I'm not clear exactly on, and and I didn't get clarity on this, so I didn't put it in the story because I didn't want to be wrong, but. When would he officially enroll? When would he officially be considered to be attending Wisconsin? And how does that match up with the Major League Baseball draft? Obviously, the people entering the draft out of high school aren't going to be major college football players, so they don't have this problem. But he also would probably need some time to compete against top-level talent at some at some like pro league events, and he just doesn't have the time. And obviously, once you're in college under the the major league baseball rules, you got to be in there for three years or turn 21. So it's going to be football. His dad told me like there, there's no talk about him potentially pursuing the draft. Uh, You may get some varying opinions from the travel baseball coach, but that's the baseball side of it. It's really, I don't know if Wisconsin has had certainly not with those two sports, a player quite like this. And we can get into the football side because honestly, Zach, he's to me the most intriguing player in the entire 2023 recruiting class. He definitely is. You mentioned the summer league. I mean, would that be something Wisconsin? I guess we don't know this, but you wonder if he would be good enough to be able to play in like the Northwoods League and you know play for the Mallards or something like that. I don't. Those are all college baseball players that are in there. A lot of them very very good players. I don't know if he would be good enough for that. And would he be? And would UW be okay with him traveling? You know, on a bus all summer. We'll see. But we'll see. Uh, that said. The football side. What right. makes him? The, what makes him the most intriguing in your mind? 
Well, to your point about the would UW be willing, obviously the reason he's at Wisconsin, and this is what his dad said, is the relationship that he has with Fickle, that there are not a lot of head coaches that have a roster of 100 kids and have the type of relationship with a head coach um, that Amari has. So that's a big reason why he's at Wisconsin in the first place. And because it seems like Fickle would have been willing to have him play baseball at Cincinnati, maybe it could be on the table here. But from a football standpoint, to me, He's the most intriguing because of his body type. When's the last six foot three corner you can ever remember Wisconsin having? Um, I can barely remember them having uh, guys, you know, bigger than six foot. But um, exactly, yeah, it's 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 been a while. I want to say I want to say Cyrell Weems. He was a wow. he was a corner. He was definitely over six foot. He might have been like six one or six two, and he was part of the uh i think his senior year was 96 he ran a interception back for a touchdown against utah in the copper bowl ron dane's freshman year but i'm i'm struggling i'll probably think i'll probably hurt myself uh trying to think about some other guys but i think that would be the last one i thought of i i have to google cyrell weems that's uh that's not in my wheelhouse i don't even know who that guy is (laughs) does it Um, list his height i'm looking for it 95 96 uh 6-1 6-1 is that what it says somewhere it says 6 yeah oh yeah 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 his pro football yeah 6-1 207 there you go so i wasn't that off said he was 6-1 or 6-2 yeah well you just threw a name in there from like 30 years ago so (laughs) i guess that's the point is if you looked at wisconsin spring practice roster all 10 of Wisconsin's quarterback cornerbacks. And granted, they're not all with the program anymore, but they're listed between five, nine and five eleven. And I think that's what makes Snowden so special is he can play. I mean, he's listed as a defensive back, not a cornerback on the national signing day roster that Wisconsin has. Um, but he's coming in to be the boundary corner and sort of in the same vein as a sauce gardener at Cincinnati, which I think is somebody that he sort of not modeled his game after, but certainly studied. And He's just you just don't see people with that body type back there. And he's a four star cornerback. And that rarely happens to the last one. The only other one in the Internet recruiting rankings era was Brett Bell back in 2001. So I think those two things stand out. He obviously can win basically any 50 50 matchup against a wide receiver. He's got really good hands. He's extremely athletic. He's long. And I think if you just look at Wisconsin's cornerback situation right now, it would seem to be open for the taking if you can really come in and stand out because, and again, I imagine the roster will change by the time fall camp starts if Wisconsin can secure somebody out of the transfer portal. But we left spring practice with three known guys who have played and then two true freshmen early enrollees in the second team defense with Jace Arnold and Jonas Duclona. So I don't know whether Snowden will be able to contribute right away, but I think it's a possibility. And so for all those reasons, he's just a fascinating prospect in my mind. Troy Vincent also six one. There so, you go. And he played he played with a guy named Bobby Taylor who was Snowden's size. So they that was the they put him and Bobby Taylor were for the Philadelphia Eagles mid nineties guys, late nineties guys. And they oof, big guys, big guys to go along with Al Harris, who ended up uh with the Packers. Um, those three, all of them over six one, all of them really physical. Um, before they started not allowing <laughs> NFL teams or NFL DBs to get too physical with guys at the line of scrimmage. But yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see what exactly that looks like. And 
you're right. Jonas Declona and Jace Arnold were with the second team. And obviously they have, they had the entirety of winter conditioning and then all spring ball. So they're going to be ahead of Amari for sure. But if they were able to jump up, why wouldn't he be able to at the same time? Now that said, I feel like there's going to be some more DBs in that room before uh, Amari Snowden actually shows up. So, or at least committed to Wisconsin before he shows up. But there's no reason why he couldn't find playing time somewhere this year, right? Or or what would you say on that? I think it's a possibility. Again, we don't necessarily know what the roster is going to look like, but if two true freshmen early enrollees can do it, even though they've got a head start, then with Amari Snowden's skill set, maybe he can. I I got a mailbag question this week about which true freshman – I think could have a chance to actually contribute right away. And Snowden is one of the few that would be on my list. Where are the other ones? Well, Duclona and Arnold are the most obvious because they were actually getting reps with the second team beyond that. You know, it's tough. It's really tough to project. I wonder if Nate white could now that's, I don't want to say it's a long shot, but it's a shot. We've seen true. We've, it's a shot because there's just no firmly established number three. Um, even though maybe it'll be Jackson Aker, that would be my assumption if he's healthy. But if you look at need uh, positionally, there's a few that I think have a shot at least. If why if wide receiver wasn't so deep, I may throw, Kekahuna, right? I might throw him in there. But it's just yeah. so deep, especially in the slot, that maybe he'd be the third guy in a slot. I it just would how much playing time would actually be there? Um, yeah, I know. I, I know everybody. The same way. I, I know everybody thinks they're going to play fifteen wide receivers. <laughs> they're not going to. But like, if if Will Pauling and, and Skylar Bell had not performed the way they did in spring, I might say Tretch. But I, I guess we'll see. I guess yeah. We'll I see. think I think that's a in the end that play- could be a really big pickup for Wisconsin. But there, I just don't. There's so much depth and talent, which we'll get into. Yeah, because I, because he played against really good competition too. So yes, I it's it's not like he's going to be overwhelmed at, you know, facing guys in college. But it it would just be asking a lot. Maybe he can find a a, a role somewhere. But yeah, um, here's my feels, other wild card. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say it feels like the DBs, the corners. You would think maybe if they are unable to add guys there, that they would be able to have a shot. Right. My other wild card here is just kind of, again, going down positionally, looking at their skill set, Jamel Howard on the defensive line. Um, yeah. The guy is, <laughs> he was 325 pounds his junior season and he slimmed down to 305 his senior year. And I just, I look at the defensive line and think that there, there could be an opening. And if they use him as a nose guard, it remains to be seen how many snaps they have a nose guard on there. Obviously, Gio Piaz would seem to be number one, Kurt Neal. But that's somebody who I think could come in. And I look at a few years ago when Keanu Benton was able to do that. He ended up starting his first year. Now, obviously, he became an NFL draft pick. But it's possible is what I'm saying. So what you're saying, I think, Jesse, is uh, when we watch fall camp and we see him struggling on day one, we shouldn't just dismiss him. Yes. Do not okay. write anybody off on day one of both. Okay. okay. Because uh, I did Lesson that. Lesson learned. I, I did. Yeah. We did. I, I think, I feel like we might, may have both been on that same page, but I will certainly uh, throw myself out there and say, yeah, I thought Keanu Ben looked overwhelmed on day one. And there's like, there's no way he's going to compete. And I think I even said that to see you. I guess he's not playing this year. 
Um, and uh, he obviously went on and, and started a bunch of games as a freshman. So um, we're not going to do that this year. We're we are learning from mistakes. Uh, at least I, I'm going to try. Uh, you mentioned the wide receivers. You have a story coming out. What is it? Tomorrow? Wednesday? Yes. Wednesday that uh, is going to be talking about that position and all the talent and all the depth at it. Can you can you lay out what it's going to be about and, and what's stood out to you to want to write it? Well, first of all, um, this is something that I was working on from the day we had a chance to talk to the wide receivers, but the depth and the talent, and I know sometimes we tend to speak in hyperbole and be prisoners of the moment, but I, I firmly believe this. It's the it's the best, it's the deepest and most talented wide receiver group. Certainly, I can remember covering Wisconsin. And, and my knowledge goes back to 2011. Yours obviously goes back much further. The caveat to all of this is that Wisconsin's never run an up-tempo air raid offense and demanded so much in the passing game of their receivers and given them the opportunities and freedoms to, to do what they're going to do. But having said that, Mike Brown said even before spring practice that he wanted to have six receivers in the rotation. And I remember asking CJ Williams about it and he kind of made a face because he said when he was even going through off-season workouts before spring practice started, he was like, I've I've played with a lot of very good receivers. I've trained with a lot of very good receivers, and these guys are up there with those names. And maybe we have to change that six receiver statement that there could be eight or ten who could contribute. And I there are not going to be eight to ten wide receivers who actually play, but just the fact that that is a, a legitimate conversation piece says a lot to me about how far Wisconsin's wide receivers have come. And so that's part of the story. The other part is what is this actually going to look like? I think, and I'm in this as well, when we make a depth chart out of spring practice, we list who do we think our first team wide receivers are, who are our second team wide receivers. And you've got your three names at the top. You've got your three names underneath, but Wisconsin's coaches are leaving spring practice with the belief that they have five players on their depth chart that they consider to be starters. So just because out of spring, your, your ones might say Chimere DK and CJ Williams on the outside with Will Pauling in the slot. They also consider Keontes Lewis and Skylar Bell to be starters. And we saw that at the end of the spring, that those two would rotate in with the first team group. And so that's point one. And the other thing is, if there is going to be a sixth wide receiver, who's it going to be? I think we all believe that Bryson Green, when healthy, will be that sixth guy. But but you've also got four other wide receivers that I think really impressed the coaches with, with Vinny Anthony, Chris Brooks Jr. in that first week before he got hurt, Quincy Burroughs and Tommy McIntosh, who really came on strong late. So they've got a lot of options. And the other thing that they're looking at is they, they're comparing it to like hockey shifts in that you can have three on one series or a given play and you can rotate another three and they feel like they've got six players where there will be no drop off whatsoever. So I think that's really interesting. And it's not like every play, there's going to be three new guys and your, your head will be turning, trying to figure out who's who, but that's something that they believe they have in terms of the depth and the talent. And I think one of the things that this offense has a chance to be able to do is utilize 10 personnel uh, a lot more than I think definitely more than Phil Longo did at North Carolina and certainly more than Wisconsin has traditionally and 10 personnel is four wide receivers on the field with one running back. I think that could be any number of combinations. You, I mean, we saw like Bell and Pauling lined up together in the slot. So I just think there's so many different combinations that they can have. And, and all, the coaches are really, 
I don't even know if pleasantly surprised is the right way to put it, but that's what I'll say with the the talent that they had. It's better than they thought. And I think that's very encouraging for this passing attack. How do you think that they are going to keep everybody happy? I'm like, I, as you mentioned, they think they have five starters and, and probably a sixth. How do they keep everybody happy? I don't know how you do keep everybody happy. Um, it's it's a challenge. The thing is, and this is something we haven't seen before at Wisconsin, is they're legitimately le- legitimately going to throw the ball to five or six wide receivers. And so if you're constantly in the mix and constantly getting opportunities and they're passing the ball more, that's going to make more people happy. And then, and that's notable too, because if you even look at last year, you had DK, Bell, Lewis, those were your top three wide receivers in terms of targets, receptions, all the numbers. Dean Ingram was your next highest targeted wide receiver. He got 17 targets. Marcus Allen got 14 targets. There wasn't even a sixth wide receiver who got a target. So it's just, it's a totally different world. And I think because of the number of times they'll be throwing in the, the variety of combinations they can use, you're going to have six guys that will, will contribute. Now, how do you keep the the other guys happy? I think it's largely just encouraging them and saying that they are on the cusp, which they are. Like each of those four guys that I mentioned flashed during various phases of the of the spring. Um, and it's, it's not going to be possible to have seven or eight wide receivers out there. But I think if you just show how close these guys are, maybe they'll be able to get more opportunities down the road. I just think it's so interesting because it's a relatively, relatively young group, right? Yes. Uh, you, you you have Chimray who's played a ton, and we know that Skyler played a, Skyler played a bunch last year. Keontae's played a bunch at UCLA his first year and then played a bunch last year. You know, but then it's, it's not a ton. Uh, oh, and then uh, Bryson Green, obviously. But only one of those guys could would potentially leave after this year. You know what I mean? And, and even DK, and I'm referring to DK because he's a senior, but he – came in 2020, which means he's got another, he's got his COVID year still to use. Even what if all those guys come back? Right. So like while it is, Hey, you're right on the cusp. It's also a possibility you could be sitting for a while. Yeah, it is. And in, in this day and age of college football, it's impossible to keep everybody happy. Um, It just is. But I think giving more people an opportunity opens things up in a way that we haven't seen. And um, it, it's interesting because a lot of these guys that we're talking about, like, yeah, okay, CJ Williams and Will Pollen got the majority of the ink in spring practice, and understandably so. They were new names, they were flashing, they elevated to the first team. But a lot of these guys that we're, we're talking about were on this team last year. And so it's just really interesting that the talent was sort of there all along, but they were utilized in much different ways. And that's not to knock what Wisconsin has been for so long. And, and even though we're talking about all these wide receivers – they're still going to run the ball, presumably very effectively, um, but they're just going about this offensive system in a totally different way. But I do think it's it's interesting. And, and I think these guys like Keontes, Skyler, and Chimre, they really feel like we had this skill set all along and now we're out to prove something because we just didn't have this type of opportunity. And I think all three of those guys have uh, really put themselves in good position. And honestly, it says a lot that I feel like Skyler and Keontes, it wasn't like they had bad springs and maybe, maybe you could disagree with me or, or, or we can word it differently. It was more about Pauling and Williams just jumping up and taking uh, opportunities. 
that's really pretty incredible to me <laughs> that that those are your four and fives. Um, and they had good springs in my mind. Uh, and I mean, I mentioned this on a previous show, but when I asked Skylar about it, he said, like, we are out here to compete every day. That's the culture. That's part of the program. And if you don't like that, then this ain't the place for you. So they've really embraced the transfers that have come in, which I think has also helped this process. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it's also, and I made note of this during the draft. Uh, I don't think these guys are stupid. I think they look at what the staffs at North Carolina and Cincinnati have done with the people that they've coached. And this in this year's draft alone, two of UNC's wide receivers got drafted, Josh Downs and Antoine Green. So obviously coaches, guys coached in this offense, that played in this offense, that played under Phil Longo, NFL. Cincinnati had three skill guys drafted, if you consider tight ends skill guys, and I'm going to in this for, for my purposes here. Uh, with Josh Wiley, Tyler Scott, and Trey Tucker, those three guys got drafted. So five guys drafted that were coached by the people they're being dra- uh, coached by now. So to me, that kind of stands out saying, hey, if you want to get to where everybody that enters college football wants to get to, this is a great spot for you. This is a great offense for you. And these are the right coaches for you. Yeah, and there may not be a Josh Downs, at least based on uh, the roster right now on on Wisconsin's team, but somebody could emerge. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to compare Downs to, to the rest of this group, but I think just the overall depth and talent gives them an opportunity to be really successful. And the other thing that I should say is I think this staff believes that any of those top five or six guys can go out and have a 100, 150-yard receiving performance in a given game. And so it's just it's it's like covering an entirely new program to even be having this conversation, but they're all very excited about this opportunity. And I think you know, Keontes said it best. He said, in the air raid, you're going to have way more opportunities. What more can you ask for? <laughs> I mean, if you're a wide receiver, you want to get the ball, and there's just a lot of guys that are going to. So it'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds, but to come out of spring with the staff feeling like they've got five starters um, just says a lot about this wide receiver group, I think. Yeah, for sure. Anything else you wanted to touch on there? I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, the one name we haven't mentioned is Marcus Allen. (laughs) Um, Everybody (laughs) else, everybody else, let's just be, let's just call it like it is. Everybody else had their moments where they really flashed. Um, And it just, Marcus (laughs) picked a bad time to put himself in a bad situation off the field because uh, I just, I think he, he didn't have a lot of, kind of wow moments in the spring he was stuck in the third slot wide receiver spot and he made some catches but I don't know that there was ever a day where you thought man he's he looks like one of the guys yeah he really I mean he really stood out the weekend before last um zing yeah so (laughs) and spring ball was over so that's not (laughs) ideal that is not ideal that uh, your standout performance of the spring came um Blocks away from Camp Randall, <laughs> as opposed to yeah. inside Camp Randall. So yes, uh, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot more that needs to be said about Marcus Allen. As I said last week, his decision making not great, not great. Um, all right, there was a an, one more thing that I wanted to get to. Over under win totals were released this week. I know a bunch of different outlets uh, or a bunch of different books released theirs. I saw DraftKings first, so that's the one I copied and, and threw down. Uh, to look at there's there's is a little um, there's a little crazy to me at times but uh, they have Michigan Ohio State both at ten and a half Penn State at nine and a half and Wisconsin 
at nine. Would you take the over or the under on Wisconsin at nine wins? And I guess you could push as well if you wanted to in this situation. Well, you know me, Zach. I hate to hedge. That's yes. my least favorite thing on this show. Yeah, but you have done a lot better in recent years, so I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that because we haven't done a ton of over unders. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be adding that back in this year for sure. But um, what do you think? I'm inclined to push. <laughs> Just, I want to. I so want to take the over because tis the season of optimism. Wisconsin has not lost a game under this new coaching staff. Um, I just, it's, it's a complete crapshoot in my mind because I have no idea what this air raid offense looks like against big 10 competition. All we've seen is them matching up against Wisconsin's defense. And the fans have only seen one <laughs> spring practice uh, where it didn't look particularly good. I just, Another mailbag question that I got recently was which game scares you the most before Wisconsin plays Ohio state, because a lot has been made about how this schedule is supposedly easier and the Badgers should be undefeated. And I'm like, my God, there's four games that I think would concern me a little bit before Ohio state. They've obviously got to go to Washington state. That's the first road game of the Luke fickle era. That's a team that beat Wisconsin last year. They have to play at Purdue. I know the Badgers have owned Purdue for a long time, but still that's a road game against a team that just won the West. And you've got these back-to-back games right before Ohio state against Iowa at home and then at Illinois. And to me, those are the two that I'm looking at going, okay, what is this air raid offense really made of against very physical teams? Um, I just, it's hard of, of any year that we've had. This to me is the hardest year to predict because I don't know exactly what everything is going to look like. So I'm, I'm inclined to push and say they go nine and three this year. I I'm never going to pick Wisconsin to beat Ohio state until I actually see it happen. That has never happened since I've covered the Badgers, even though they've been close and to me, that leaves two other games as potential hiccups. And I, I think it could be against, you know, those really physical teams that can make life difficult. So I want to say nine and three, and I sort of feel like a buzzkill even saying it because I really wanted to say 10 and two and say Wisconsin would win the West. And hell, they just may in Fickle's first year, but I don't know. Screw it. 10 and two. 10 and there two. Wisconsin goes 10 and two. They hit the over on the DraftKings. Uh, there's one number on here that just stands out to me Indiana, three and a half. Woof. And Purdue five and a half. The winners of the Big Ten West last year, five and a half. I know they got a new coach and they got a new quarterback. They got a whole new system, but that number feels low to me. The Purdue number does. And the Michigan State number, based on the losses that they've had, <laughs> including their starting quarterback, who apparently, I, I guess maybe there's somebody there that they like more. You would certainly think so, even though he was the starter in spring. I would, five, theirs is also at five and a half. And uh, that feels low. And Nebraska at six feels uh, low as well. All these numbers feel a little low except for Wisconsin, which is like maybe if it was eight and a half, you might you might take it. But um, I don't care. I'm going 10 and two. We're just going to live with it. Anything else that you wanted to get to? And what, what I want to talk about the Ohio State game and its importance. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, I was looking at some early lines. It's not actual lines, but this K Ford ratings, which I'd never heard before. His name is Kelly Ford. He put out his ratings. He has... Ohio State is a 15 and a half point favorite in that game. My goodness. At the camp. <laughs> Full circle for the episode. <laughs> yes, we did. All right. Jesse, thank you very much. Uh, we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.